All right, welcome back to the Prospecting Show. Today is Wednesday, October 7th, and we have Kelsey O'Neill on the call. How are you? Doing good, Connor. How are you? I'm doing great. So we, we were just talking before we jumped on the show here about uh, travel and, and, and sales and, and business. And so to kind of kick off the call, maybe uh, tell the people who end up listening to this, your background. Where did you start and where are you today? Yeah, great question. So I started, um, it, my journey really begins actually with fundraising. So um, when I graduated college, I went to the, the University, University of South Carolina here in Columbia SC. And when I graduated, I actually went into full-time ministry. And our first part of our ministry assignment, I say our, it was me and my husband um, that worked together. And our first assignment was to raise our personal financial support, aka our salary, <laughs> ministry expenses, um, everything. And so that was a pretty significant number and we had to um, learn fundraising. So our, the organization that we were with was really great and they learned um, some really great fundraising skills. And so what that looked like was networking with people that have the same beliefs that we do, you know, people who believed in our, our mission and our vision and essentially prospecting, right? Reaching out to them setting appointments and uh, getting face to face to ask them to invest in the mission that we were working on. And so, you know, unbeknownst to me, I had no idea that that was sales. Like I didn't really, you know, connect the two of them. But um, yeah, John and I were really the only ones in our group of missionaries who actually enjoyed that part of it. We were like, man, fundraising's a blast, you know, like you get to sit across from people and hear their stories and share your story and tell them about what you're doing and invite them to be a part of it. Like what's not fun about that. But so many people were just hating it because they, you know, had this negative mentality of asking people for money. And so that's kind of what got me into the whole uh, sales world is just shifting that mentality of um, fundraising at first was, um, being able to, well, let me back up. So I ended up going from there <laughs> to um, teaching missionaries how to raise support. And so a lot of what we worked on was the mindset around uh, inviting people into what you're doing. And then that translated over into sales. I launched a marketing business. And of course, you know, had to have that mentality of when you're prospecting and having conversations with people, like what is the value that you're bringing to the table? And why would you be afraid to reach out to someone if you know that you've got a great solution that can help them, right? Well, well, I think the, the biggest thing about sales is just like you said, it's all problem solving, right? Like it, at the end of the day, it's just what do they have to offer? What do you have to offer? And then meet in the middle somewhere, right? That's really what it comes down to. And when you talk about fundraising, fundraising is kind of like sales, right? There's tons of crossover skills, but at the end of the day, you're trying to extract funds from somebody um, in, in a way that they feel valuable about. So, you know, in, in your mind, what is what do you think the number one thing is that you learned while fundraising that you translate into sales today? Exactly, yeah. That's a great question. So, mm, the number one thing. I mean, it really is that mindset. I think it, it goes back to what I was saying of it has to be about serving the other person because if you come from it, from that mentality, then it removes the fear and it's not about um, you and it's not about being personally rejected, right? So people are afraid to prospect and afraid to get on the phone and have a sales call because they're afraid of rejection ultimately or any kind of, um, 
you know, confrontation <laughs> or they feel weird about, you know, asking for money and that that heart of serving just removes all of that when it's like, okay, I know what I'm offering solves the problem. I know that it's valuable and I know that, um, you know, what I have to say is going to be helpful and important. So I think that would be the number one thing. But also I think just uh, as far as business goes, um, what I learned in fundraising is really how to set how to set goals and reverse engineer them, right? So if you're looking at how much revenue you need to bring in in your business, you've got to figure out, all right, well, how many sales calls am I going to need to do to um, bring in that revenue and how many of those are going to close? So how many do I need to set? And well, okay, how, how many um, people do I need to reach out to get uh, 10 appointments on the calendar? And so you just have to learn how to reverse engineer that. So as far as a very practical thing, I would say, um, reverse engineering your goals and really knowing your your numbers to make uh, your goals happen would be the main thing that I learned. Yeah, and, well, it's interesting you bring that up too because a lot of people know their revenue goal but don't know the activity goal, right? You said, like, yeah. I want to make a million dollars a year. Okay, great. That's cool. What's that per month? 83.3. Great. What's that per week? You know, 20,000, 20, whatever, right? But the problem is people don't know what activity is required to get that. Exactly. Which is the actual important part, right? Because at the end of the day, like, I mean, look at what we're doing in, in Syntax, right? We specialize in, in basically appointment setting in the front end of the prospecting um, process. It, all we care about is how many appointments we put on the calendar. If you have 40 open slots in a week to take sales calls, our goal is to put 40 appointments on the calendar, right? And so you're talking about reverse engineering. That's exactly what we do. And we just try to push it to capacity. So what, what is your thought on quality versus quantity when going through prospecting or sales? Because I'm sure you've done, you know, both, both yeah. sides of that. Man, that's such a tough, tough line to walk of the quality versus quantity, because of course, quality is better. Um, I mean, quality is definitely better. You want to be strategic with where you're spending your time. You don't want to get on the phone with unqualified prospects. But at the same time, it can be tricky, right? Because um, there's only so much you can do to find out about the quality of the prospect. I think where it really lies is in nurturing the, the person before they get onto the phone, like making sure there's solid brand awareness, um, using retargeting ads because um, you know, even the mo even the person that has money and um, is like has the problem that you can solve, if that person isn't aware of who you are and you haven't built up that like credibility on the front end, it's just a lot harder of a journey. Whereas if they're pretty familiar with the content and you've been sending them emails or uh, popping up in their news feed, it definitely helps to you know warm them up before the conversation. So. I think it's both because, you know, if you only have five quality conversations a week, you're not going to get to your goals either. So it's it's both sides of the coin. Yeah, no, it, it that's that's definitely um, true, right? Is that a lot of people look at it and say, oh, well, I want to have really qualified prospects. But the problem is if you try to qualify too much without going through the sales process, the, the real issue there is like you might not set enough appointments, right? And you can stimulate interest and transition interest on a phone call. It is very difficult to do that without jumping on the phone with someone, right? So so how do you like what maybe give us some of the, the tips or tricks or things that you do to help move people from maybe not interested into interest? Yeah. 
Well, so backing up, um, I, I guess I kind of left off the last half of the story. <laughs> so I started out um, going from fundraising into having a marketing agency. And then from there, I've moved into full-time uh, selling for other companies. So I just kind of realized that what I preferred to do was the sales aspect of um, business. And that, that was the most fun for me. I didn't really want to deal with, you know, all the juggling all the balls of the marketing agency and so I've been working for other business owners online and doing high ticket sales so most of that's take taking care of uh, for me on the front end as far as uh, the business owners that I work with have you know solid marketing in place to move people along uh, with building that trust but I think um, you know there's absolutely plenty of times where I talk to someone who's never heard of the brand that I'm working for and we're able to establish that connection, ask really good questions to figure out, okay, what is, what is the reason that the person got on the call? Like, why are they, why are they here? How do they think we can help them? Uh, how can we really help them? Or can we help them at all, right? I mean, that's part of it is truly discerning if you even have um, the right solution for them and if they're the right person for you to work with as well. So I think that that trust can definitely be built through being a really good listener and asking really good questions. Yeah, and, and that's kind of that like passive extraction type sale, right? That consultative sale where you can sit there and ask two, three or four questions and get all the information out that you need to determine if there's a fit. Do you find that in your sales process that you get people who are a fit from like a demographic or financial standpoint, but as you start asking questions, you realize, oh, your service is not quite what they need? Yeah, occasionally, um, occasionally, but not often. I mean, good marketing is going to attract people that have, um, that have the problem, right. And that you have the solution for the problem. So, um, typically the people that I'm talking to, they, they've got the problem that we have an answer for, and we can uh, talk to them, you know, about our solution. The only people who really aren't a good fit that I get on the phone with are the ones who, you know, what I'm more looking for. So just to, to back up and clarify. So what I'm selling right now is a, a business opportunity for getting into real estate investing. And the people who are not a good fit for us are more, you know, talking to them and realizing like, okay, this person is kind of a jerk or doesn't want to do any work, thinks this is going to be a, you know, a walk in the park uh, thing where they get rich overnight or that kind of thing. So I'm more looking for those red flags of this person isn't somebody who's coachable or this person is um, arrogant or thinks that they're going to be a millionaire next week. So that's more of what I see happen. But um, typically uh, you have to remember when you're getting on the call with them, they have a problem and uh, it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out, okay, what is really going on with them right now? Why'd they get on the call in the first place? And how do I uncover what it is that they need? And, and do you find that you do more disqualification than qualification? Because I find when I get on the call with a lot of people, um, I actually just try to disqualify them more than anything else. Totally, and I think that that really helps you not have the blinders on too, because um, in sales, uh, I think it's easy to have um, happy ears where you're in a conversation and you think it's going well and you can miss some of the, uh, the red flags of, okay, this person isn't really going to buy because you're you know, looking at the conversation with rose colored glasses and you're qualifying them, right? Focusing on what makes them a good fit versus disqualifying them, like you're saying, of 
focusing on, okay, well, what might make this be a bad fit? Like what is a, you know, what are the red flags that we need to look out for and kind of navigating through that? So yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, and I, and I think the other part too is, right, there's there's a balance of qualification and disqualification, but there's also a balance of fit, right? You talked about getting the right people on the phone, but then also making sure that that's actually gonna be a good fit. Because if you have a deliverable, especially if it's a recurring deliverable, um, they'll just leave, right? So there's no sense in just selling people on something when they're gonna leave in two months, right? Unless your service is a two month service. Or they're a nightmare client, I mean. That too. I definitely had some, <laughs> some nightmare clients in the marketing agency when I was on you know, doing my own thing and uh, wouldn't just do the sales call, but also did the delivery and would, you know, do the account management. And man, it is not worth any amount of money to deal with someone who is going to suck the life out of, out of you. For, for sure, right? That That's the, the big problem. And I think at the end of the day, like you have to be willing to give up money for, for time at some point, right? Because it's like, oh, well, this person's just sucking the life out of me and you don't want to deal with that. So, you know, for the people who end up listening to this and the, and the people that are small business owners, because we have a lot of people listening to this that are small business owners and they're trying to scale, what makes your service different than maybe like a, an SDR, sales development representative, or maybe a closer? Like what, what makes you different? Yeah. So, sorry. Can you clarify as far as like what I do? Or yeah. Well, you're talking about you got you do you know high ticket sales for some of these business owners, right? And there's a lot of business owners out there that are in the position where they're looking for somebody who does sales for them. So when you when you look at the deals and the people that you work with and the people that you help, you know what makes you different in in your skill set different than other people who are maybe competitors of you? Yeah. So as far as like if I were gonna be, you know looking for other job opportunities, what would make me stand out from the competition? Is that what? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Or maybe like what business owners should look for as far as hiring sales reps. Both, both are yeah. perfectly acceptable. Yep. Yeah. So I would say, um, I have real world experience. <laughs> so there's a lot of, um, people in the online space, at least as far as high ticket coaching goes, um, that have developed these high ticket, uh, coaching certification courses. So they'll, you know, market that to people who are looking for new job opportunities and they'll sell the, the course and they'll teach people how to do high ticket sales, which there's nothing wrong with that by any means. But, um, there's a lot of people who they've only gone through a certification course and they don't have real world experience. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, right? You got to start somewhere. I mean, it's the equivalent of going to college and getting a degree and then getting your first job. But um, a lot of times, unfortunately, people will graduate from those, um, those certificates and they'll expect to go get a really great sales opportunity right off the bat, similarly to someone graduating college and expecting to make six figures, right? Sure, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that what um, business owners should look out for is, you know, not being, if you're in the online space in particular, doing any kind of coaching or um, business opportunity, definitely look out for that and making sure that the person doesn't just have a certificate, but has experience to back it up. Um, or if they do, just, you know, starting them out slow, right? Starting them out, maybe setting appointments and then moving into closing and sales versus um, having them come in and take your high quality leads and get on the phone with them and burn through a bunch of leads and, you know, cost you a lot of money that way. But yeah, I'd say that that experience of being in fundraising really set me apart because when I did my first, um, so how I actually got uh, one of my more recent 
opportunities is I was recruited by a sales agency that placed me on the business opportunity. And when I was talking to him, he was asking me about, when I was talking to the recruiter, he was asking me about my experience. And I was like, oh, well, I really don't have, you know, experience in sales, but I've gotten experience in fundraising. You know, I've helped, um, I've personally raised over half a million dollars and helped 30 other missionaries get fully funded. And, you know, here's how that relates to sales. And so um, being able to you know, articulate that experience and uh, relate it back to sales, how it's ultimately the same skill set, was really important. Um, so looking for people that have a skill set that's transferable, right? Like, um, for example, even hiring in like the restaurant industry. I think that some of the best people that you can hire for sales are people who've been servers, right? Because yeah. dealt with people in the customer service industry and people are so picky with their food and you know they're hard workers, they've worked, you know, grueling hours and typically they're people, um, people, people, a people person, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Well, well, that's true, and they're and they're like the king of the the down sell, right? Like when you go to restaurants, like would you like dessert? It's like, well, now that you say it, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they're they're really good at that down selling, cross selling opportunities, or even account management. I'm sure those people are really good too, right? Oh, yeah. If you get someone from service, it's like, hey, you got 20 active clients. How are we going to manage it? Well, if you're the principal salesperson in the business, you have to have that account manager on the backside helping, right? So it's like, shit, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but aside from experience, um, I think just making sure that it's going to be a right culture fit and that the person that you're interviewing has integrity, right? Because again, it goes back to what we were talking about of being a business owner and working with a bad client. There's no amount of money that you should trade for that. And I think sometimes too, I've seen business owners who are in, um, they're just desperate to hire, right? Because they've waited too long to hire. And so they make a bad hire because anytime you make a decision out of desperation, it's probably not going to be a good decision, right? So probably, yeah, and that's why, and that's why you don't want to work with people who are, you know, unqualified at the beginning, where it's like, hey, they have no money, no product, nothing to sell, no sir, like that's bad, mm-hmm. right? You want someone who's got an established, proven process, especially if you're going to do this, this outsourced or lead sales role, like what you're doing. You want to know that whatever they're offering is something that people actually want, because you could be the best salesperson in the world, but if you sell something that nobody wants, it, it's gonna, it's not going to be sold, right? Like that's the, that's the hard part. Yeah, for sure. So I actually help, um, I help some business owners now find good sales reps. But what I also do is I help sales reps find good business owners because sales reps also have to ask the questions of like you said, you know, okay, how long has this brand been established for? Um, you know, what does their social media following look like? Where do they get their leads from? Um, you know, are we doing paid ads or organic content? Can they fill my calendar consistently every single week? Or am I going to have five calls one week and 20 the next or you know, one the next? <laughs> so uh, I definitely teach sales reps what to look out for as well of making sure that the business owner can deliver a consistent opportunity because it's got to be fair for both parties and it's got to be a good fit for both sides, um, both sides of the coin there. And, and do you find that like there's a, there's a lot of people out there who do like you know Dan Lok style high ticket closing and they, they have these different certifications from different groups and they they'll say oh I only do closing. Well, do you feel like that's potentially a difficult place for people to start given that that's only a small portion of the sales process? Like the, the hardest part is actually not closing for the most part, it's on the front end. It's like finding out who's the right fit, qualifying them and moving them along the pathway. If you get a really good fit at the end, the close should be relatively seamless. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I'll agree and disagree with you. As somebody, I mean, I'm on the end and you have to get people past their fear no matter what, right? That's the, the biggest challenge is getting people past their own fear of investing or making a decision because our natural instinct as humans is to avoid, uh, you know, making a decision and making a commitment. But I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you either. Like the, the beginning of that process, if it hasn't been done well, then it's pretty much impossible to get anyone to quote unquote close. But yeah, to answer your question, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of, uh, the high ticket Dan Lop course that's really uh, high pressure and even the, the term closing, right? Like it's it's all about serving people and um, okay, can I again offer this person a solution for their problem and really help them get where they wanna go. But yes, I think that is really important to have that holistic skill set. So like I was saying earlier, you can't come out of one of those certification programs and expect to have a, a business owner be like, yeah, you know, let's just throw you on the phones tomorrow and, you know, hope for the best. I mean, maybe that would happen in some scenarios, but you've got to most of the time build, um, build that trust up. So learning how to set appointments or starting earlier in the, the sales process is definitely super valuable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I'd agree, like obviously closing, the reason that, that people get paid the most for that is, is the hardest step of it. But I think the other pieces are absolutely required. And it's interesting, like with some of the stuff that we're doing, um, because we're all prospecting focused, number one problem that I hear from business owners is not that they can't close deals, is that they don't have enough appointments, right? That's usually what it is, especially if they're a solopreneur. They're like, yeah, I'm the best at selling my thing, right? That's what they I always hear. And it's like, great. Why aren't you a millionaire? Oh, well, I don't talk to enough people. Okay, well, that's an appointment problem, right? Yeah. So I think when you, you're you're 100% right, though, when you hire or outsource sales, or you hire a salesperson that doesn't, that isn't the founder, that isn't the person who started it, it's a totally different kind of sale because they're, they're not as passionate. They don't understand the sales process yet. Like there's a lot of these um, early stage problems that happen. And if you do it right, you can actually, you know, get a really good salesperson in place that can totally remove the owner from the business. Yeah, and that's the end goal, but yeah, it absolutely starts with having appointments on the calendar and that starts with the prospecting and um, getting, getting those appointments booked. So you really, it's every piece of the puzzle has to be there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's linear, right? It's definitely linear. You have to you have to know who the prospect is. You have to do the outreach. You have to book the appointment. You got to convert the appointment and get someone to show up. You got to do the sales call. Maybe there's a second call if it you know you need to disqualify them or qualify them and then close out the deal. And every single one of those things is required before they even become a client. And then on the backside, which you probably were, were experiencing with, with your agency is like, getting the sale is great, but what about actually doing the work on the backside, right? Like actually delivering the thing yeah. that you, you put on paper, especially if you're running like a digital agency and say, Hey, we're going to get you 20 booked appointments guaranteed or whatever it is that they're, they're offering the, the offer. It's not that easy to deliver on that unless you get experience. So, you know, maybe in to, to kind of wrap things all together, what is the next step for you? Like, what are you looking forward to over the next five, 10 years with your career and your business and the stuff that you're doing? And then maybe drop a link or how people can find you uh, at the end of the episode. Yeah, great question. Um, well, yeah, to your point of what you just said of the whole linear process, I think it's it was just funny listening to you list it all out because it's like, and that's what makes becoming an entrepreneur crazy, right? You have to figure out how to get all of those pieces of the process to, to work and to have a successful business. Um, 
And so that's for me why I kind of chose that, hey, I, I love entrepreneurship, but I want to focus on this sales piece. And so, yeah, what my journey looks like is I'm focusing on um, sales and selling for others, really mastering my skill set. And um, what that has kind of evolved into has been some opportunities, like I was saying, to get into the entrepreneurship side of things again, where I'm essentially kind of matchmaked between business owners and sales reps. Um, so helping sales reps find great opportunities and helping business owners find great sales reps. So I would love to see that side of things uh, continue to pick up and grow. Honestly, how that started, it was completely organic. I would say that my my like superpower is being a connector. It's just really natural for me. I'm always being like, oh, Connor, do you need so-and-so? Like, let me introduce you. They would be perfect to help you out, you know? So that's just been a natural thing for me. And so it kind of evolved out of that. But um, yeah, I would love to see that grow. And ultimately, I don't know, I think getting into the sales coaching space is a potential opportunity for sales management, like leading a sales team. Um, that's really, that's what I used to really enjoy in fundraising. I loved leading fundraising teams and teaching other people how to be successful in fundraising. So it seems like that might be kind of the natural next step for me as far as, um, as far as sales goes. But yeah, I also have a, a passion project right now going on where I recently started a Facebook group for women in sales. So especially in this online world, um, for whatever reason, I just feel like it's still a bit of a bro fest. <laughs> and so there's a lot of guys that are doing online sales, a lot of guys that are working for um, people doing the high ticket stuff and there has not been a ton of women. And so I wanted to create a community where women could come and just you know be friends with each other help each other up level their skill sets so i created the sales queen sisterhood and it's just a facebook group where we um, encourage each other we do live role plays weekly and get to just practice our sales skills with each other and then um, i do interviews with sales queens successful saleswomen to hear their story of how their career has really evolved because it's funny i mean women are I think that the sales that women are typically in are the network marketing kind of thing. Like that's, yes. that's totally sales, right? And nothing wrong with that. But I don't think women typically think about going into sales like, um, you know, B2B or doing this online coaching space. And the irony of that is that there are so many female business coaches online that want female sales reps to, you know, help do enrollment for their programs. So that's kind of the, the space that I'm working on cultivating and the community that I'm working on cultivating. That's awesome. And, and so people just go to Facebook and, and look the group up then. Is there, is there a website or any other way that they could reach out to you? Yeah. So it's facebook.com slash groups slash sales queen sisterhood. But yeah, you can also check me out at Kelsey O'Neill O apostrophe N E A L. But yeah, I'll try to, I'll shoot you the link. So maybe you could include that. Yeah. Well, we'll drop them in the, on anchor there at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's really interesting because the prospecting show is really focused on all the whole, you know, all the pieces of the sales cycle, right? And, it, and it's interesting to have someone like yourself who's very focused in now matching, right? Like almost that recruitment role between the salesperson and the business owner, because that is actually becoming one of the hardest things. There's tons of people out there that can do sales. There's not a lot of good ones. So the fact that you're delivering that is a super cool opportunity. I think that you will be super successful with that. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the prospecting show. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. It's definitely um, a blast. I love kind of being part of that, that matchmaking process. And honestly, I just love sales. So I love talking about it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's one of these things like it, the more we can talk about it, the more we can syndicate the network, the more we can bring people together. And as you say, be the connector. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, that's going to be the future of the world, especially with everyone being remote now. It's about building relationships on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all these social platforms, um, getting on the phone, meeting people that are new uh, to your network, and then figuring out how can you help them and how can they help you. Absolutely. Totally. I have met my best friends um, online and that's a whole rabbit hole that I could go down. But, um, you know, most of what I do is online every day and uh, the people that I talk to the most are really these online friends that I've made. And not to sound like a loser who doesn't have any friends in real life, but, <laughs> you know, that's equally important. But especially with everything that we've had going on with lockdowns, um, it's been great to just have deep meaningful relationships um online as well yeah well i again i, I really appreciate you coming on the show and i think uh, the people who are going to check you out online will put some links in the description uh on anchor so they can reach out to you and reach out to the group but thank you so much for your time and uh have an awesome day thanks connor appreciate it